What are the first thoughts that come into your mind when something hurts you? Something that was preventable? The natural response will harm your soul. But there is a response that will strengthen your soul and the souls of the people around you. Welcome to the Food for Your Soul podcast, where we apply the Word of God to the hearts of men and women to stoke the fires of your delight in Christ. Here's your host, Dr. D. Richard Ferguson. A complaining people will always destroy themselves. Anytime a group of people begins to grumble and complain, you're going to see that organization self-destruct. It's just a matter of time. Because what will happen is, they'll start out grumbling against circumstances, against God, and then it'll turn inward, they'll turn towards one another. That's why verse 14 says, and here's where we left off last week, we didn't get to this part. Verse 14 says, do everything without complaining or arguing. And see, one of the main purposes you remember of the book of Philippians is he's addressing their disunity problem. These, they were arguing, they're fighting and they had, they had disunity in Philippi. And here what we see is the connection between that sin of arguing and fighting with the sin of complaining. They're connected because a grumbling attitude about circumstances will inevitably result in quarreling with one another. The reason for that is because it's all, it has to do with your attitude about God. See, when you love God, you tend to love God's people. We know that's true. But it works just as much in the other direction. When your soul rebels against God's providence, that hostility against the way God is doing things will play itself out eventually among the people around you. Why is that? Here's why. It's because hostility... Nobody likes being around a grumbler because, because you, you know that a grumbler, his hostility about the circumstances will eventually be hostility against you. It's going to be turned against you. And the reason for that is has to do with blame. We start blaming each other. Complaining about circumstances, which is ultimately complaining against God, will spill over into complaining against one another. In fact... If you look up the word complaining in the New Testament, most of the instances have to do with complaining, grumbling against each other, other people. You see that in Acts 6.1. The Grecian Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews. Matthew 20.11, they began to grumble against the landowner. James 5.9, don't grumble against each other, brothers, or you'll be judged. So uh, the, the direction grumbling tends to go is you have this my will be done attitude, then, and then my will doesn't get done, something interferes with my will being done, and my natural reaction is to assign blame somewhere. Right? we got to assign blame. We do, isn't that how we do it? We just, when you stub your toe, usually it's not just, oh, woe is me, I stubbed my toe. Usually it's more like, who left that stupid thing sitting right there where someone could stub their toe on it? Who? You know, I, I need to assign some blame here. That'll help my toe if I can just find out who's responsible for this. Who's the moron who designed this car this way? Or, you know, I overslept. Why didn't somebody wake me up? Or, you know, I, I burnt the food. Why do people insist on talking to me right when I'm trying to cook supper? You know? There's some of us, we've just trained ourselves. Our first just knee-jerk Reflex when anything goes wrong in life, sign and blame. Who's at fault? Somebody's got a heads need to roll here. 
If so-and-so had been doing his job, I wouldn't be having this problem. If he would have just been more careful or more skillful or more you know, thoughtful or more diligent or more whatever, my will would be being done right now. And, and, and so we start blaming and then we just start biting and devouring until we destroy each other. That's Galatians 6. And it usually begins with attacking the leadership of the organization. That's, that's what happened with ancient Israel. You see that again and again. Whenever things got hard, they didn't, they didn't ever name God. It was always Moses, right? Or Moses and Aaron. And they're grumbling against the leadership. Um, when people, that's natural, when people start assigning blame, who's the obvious place to assign blame? People who are in charge, people who are responsible, uh, people in leadership. And, and you get the sense that, from the book of Philippians, that that may have been going on in Philippi. That would explain why, at the beginning of the book, it's the only place in the Bible where he specifically singles out the elders and deacons, the overseers and deacons, in the opening greeting of the book. Um, where he's, it's like Paul's trying to go out of his way to support the leadership. Uh, could be that they were the object of all the grumbling and complaining. Now, if it's your job to evaluate a leader and you're the one who has to do the performance review or you're in charge of, you know, bonuses or whatever, and you, then you, uh, you gotta pay attention to things they do wrong and all that. If, if, same thing with just a non-leader, if you're the one who's that person's supervisor, Things go wrong, well, you, get, you need to get to the bottom of it. So, or, or if you have some advice or counsel, right? You're not in charge of that leader. You're not given performance review, but, but you, you can help, right? They're, they're blowing it, and you're just like, okay, I can, let, me, let me give you some advice here. That's a, then, then you need to do it. But if it's not one of those two things, if you don't have any constructive counsel or you're not really in charge of them, why do it? What's the value of assigning blame? In fact, doesn't the Bible say that love covers over stuff like that? Instead of exposing it, pointing the finger at it, doesn't love cover over a multitude of sins? Isn't that one of the properties of love? Covers over faults. That's what love does. Now maybe the person did do something wrong. Maybe they did drop the ball. But... We're a team. Do you understand that? We're trying to do something we can only do as a group. And teams, what do they do when somebody... Now, there are teams where they're pointing fingers and they're blaming, blown coverage, bad job, whatever. Uh, there are teams that do that. But they're not the teams that are in the playoffs. Right? Those teams don't win. The teams that are winning are the teams where one guy makes a mistake, the whole rest of the team steps up and compensates for that. Absorbs that. We're a team. In fact, more than that, more than a team, way more, we're a body. What does a body do when one part of the body gets sick or goes bad? They don't, the rest of the body doesn't turn and attack it. The rest of the body compensates for it. They pick up the slack. You need to do that as a body. Look, I'm going to make mistakes that are going to cause you to suffer. You're going to make mistakes that are going to cause hardship for other people. That's just a reality. But... but None of our goals as a church are going to be achieved if we just sit around pointing out each other's failures and mistakes. That's not how we're going to get where we need to get. But God will do great things through this church if we do what he says and just with gladness and love cover each other's faults and clean up 
after each other and compensate for each other's weaknesses. That's the kind of selfless, loving humility that God promises to bless. That's what it looks like to do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility, considering others more important than yourselves, not looking to your own interests, also the interests of others. We can, we can do that, or we can grumble and complain about circumstances and blame and attack and argue amongst ourselves and tear each other apart until we destroy ourselves and destroy our church. And then one by one, throw up our hands and say, this church is terrible, and go off and destroy some other church. Do you assign blame as a knee-jerk reaction whenever something goes wrong? When something hurts you or gets in your way? Just an immediate thought of who's responsible, who messed up to create this situation. Work on changing that response. If you frequently respond that way, it's probably a habit, which means you've created a strong neural pathway in your brain that channels your thinking in that direction whenever something you don't like happens. Breaking neural pathways isn't easy, but one way to make it a lot easier is with imagination, because your emotional brain doesn't know the difference between what you imagine and what you actually experience. So imagine yourself suffering various hardships and immediately having a godly thought about it instead of assigning blame. And when you do slip and assign blame, let the very next thought be, okay, so that person is at fault, that person is to blame, now... How can I cover over that? As a good teammate, how can I absorb that failure and compensate for it for the good of the team? I just found out that other person is lacking. Okay, how can I supply what's lacking? Or maybe you're the type who goes overboard with blaming yourself all the time. Something goes wrong, you figure out something you could have done differently to avoid it, and then you beat yourself up over it. Is that wise? Would you do that to yourself physically? If you stub your toe, do you say, stupid, clumsy toe, and go get a hammer and give it a few whacks to teach it a lesson? No. No, you baby it and compensate for it by putting more weight on your other foot. Try treating your soul the same way. Instead of beating up on yourself, do things that are healthy for your soul. Build yourself up and strengthen your faith by reminding yourself of God's promises and of truths about what God is like. Father, teach me to be completely humble and gentle, patient, bearing with others in love. Give me the energy and motivation to make every effort to keep the unity of your spirit through the bond of peace. Keep unwholesome talk from my mouth, so I speak only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Help me rid my heart of all bitterness and anger, slander, blaming. Make me kind and compassionate, forgiving people, just as in Christ you forgave me. You are compassionate and gracious with me, slow to anger and abounding in love and faithfulness. 
even though you're the judge of all mankind. You do not always accuse. So who am I to accuse? You forgive all my sins and heal the sicknesses of my soul. When people close to me sin against me, teach me to not only forgive, but to also work to bring spiritual healing to them. You don't treat me as my sins deserve or repay me according to my iniquities, so who am I to treat others as their sins deserve or repay them for what they do wrong? As high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is your love for those who fear you. Let that inspire my heart to love those who fear you. As far as the east is from the west, so far have you removed my transgressions from me and my brother's transgressions from him. Help me make that same separation. As a father has compassion on his children, so you have compassion on me because you know how I'm formed. You remember that I'm just dust. Help me to cut my family members slack, remembering the weaknesses they have by virtue of the way you created them. From everlasting to everlasting, your love is with those who fear you. Make my love for your people strong and enduring, unfazed by their sins against me. You have established your throne in heaven, and your kingdom rules over all. Praise the Lord, you his angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey his word. Praise the Lord, all his heavenly hosts, you his servants who do his will. Praise the Lord, all his works everywhere in his dominion. Praise the Lord, O oh my soul. Thank you for listening. If you found today's episode edifying, why not share it with a friend? This season of the Food for Your Soul podcast features excerpts from our sermon series on the book of Philippians, 50 expository sermons covering every verse. You can find those and hundreds of other sermons for free download on drichardferguson.com. Until next time, rejoice in the Lord always and set your mind on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God.